0: This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, rahmani rahim maliki yawmi deen. Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-Mushtaka wa bika thiqa wa alayka tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwata, illa billahi al al-Azim. صدري من ما جعلته تجعل وسلم محمد We are continuing our tafsir class the tafsir of surah al-baqarah today we are starting with Ayah, number 221 Ayah number 221 We are now as I like to say the deep end of Surah Al-Baqarah we, Surah Al-Baqarah in the beginning was about uh, telling you the stories of the people of the past, especially the Banu Israel and the theme of Surah Al-Baqarah is one where you are learning about the ummah and the people that came before us and it is a preparation for this ummah. Do the good things that the people that came before you did and avoid the mistakes and the errors that the people that before you fell into. And the ummah that Allah describes in Surah Al-Baqarah the most is Banu Israel. And Banu Israel's greatest error and mistake was their attitude and relationship with revelation and prophets. With revelation and prophets. So you've been told now that when they were told to do something, they refused to listen. They said, We hear, but we disobey. They didn't follow the prophets. They were told by Prophet Musa, ma Do as you are being commanded but they didn't. And that resulted in them being a failed nation. A nation that, that earned Allah's anger. Now after you've been told about that, you've also been told about the most successful people that has walked this earth. You've been told about Ibrahim alayhi salam and how he is an imam. Why is he an imam? Why is he someone that should be followed? Why did Allah honor him by saying, إِنِّي لِنَّاسِ إِمَامًا Because of one thing, when his Lord said to him, Submit, he said, I submit myself to the Lord of the worlds. So, after all of this introduction, your relationship with revelations and prophets should be what? The relationship you have with your prophets should be one where you hear and you obey. The relationship between you and the revelation, the Quran, should be one where you submit. Be like Prophet Ibrahim. Be like his children, Prophet Ismail and Ishaq and Yaqub and the people that would be like the Sahaba and the Prophet when the Qibla was changed and they obeyed. Don't be like the Banu Israel. Now that all of that was covered, we entered into the Ahkam, the rulings. Now that you understood that, you understood obedience, you understood submission, you are ready now, you are ready now to hear the rulings, the do's and the don'ts. Which is why we covered some acts related to hajj. Allah has made hajj obligatory upon you. Allah Complete the hajj and the umrah for Allah. When you hear that now, you know, okay, I need to be like Prophet Ibrahim, I need to hear and obey. I need to be like Prophet Muhammad I need to be not like the Banu Israel, which means what you're gonna do, you're gonna save up money, you're gonna go to hajj and umrah, you're gonna be an obedient servant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now in that comes certain prohibitions. Last week or... Last lesson, I should say, we had certain prohibitions that we covered. When, 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 the, when we spoke about the prohibition of consuming the wealth of the orphans that are under your care, or the prohibition of alcohol and gambling. Tonight, we are talking about another prohibition, and this one has something to do with marriage. And when you hear about these prohibitions, the don'ts, or the commandments, the do's, you have to do, you have to pray, you have to give zakat. Then always keep in mind that that comes under the foundation that's already built, which is we hear and we obey, we submit to our Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. يقول الله wa jal. جل وَلَا تَنْكِحُ hatta حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُ وَلَا أَمَتٌ مُؤْمِنَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِّمْ مُشْرِكَةٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ Hey, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَنْكِحُ الْمُشْرِكَاتِ Hatta yu'min And do not marry the mushrikat until they believe and have faith. The prohibition is for us as believing men to not marry a woman that is not a believer. So it is haram. It is prohibited. And let me give you a general rule. Whenever you find a prohibition in the Qur'an. Don't do something. La tafal. Do not do this. Right? Then that means doing that act is not disliked. It's what? It's haram. Unless other uh, evidence proves otherwise. The, the, the default is haram. So now, when Allah says to us, do not marry the mushrikat, the disbelieving, idol-worshipping, um, associating partners with Allah, type of woman, do not marry her. So you're not allowed to marry a woman that is Hindu, that is Buddhist, that is atheist, that is agnostic. You're not allowed to according to this ayah marry a woman that uh, is a Christian or a Jew according to to this ayah because they are also mushriks, right? According to this ayah. So meaning it's haram for us to marry them, right? Until they believe. Now. I included the Christians and the and the Jewish woman in this ayah because it is a generic general ayah every woman that falls under the category of being a mushrika you cannot marry it is in another ayah in suratul maidah where an exception has been made and the exception that has been made to the rule the rule is you can't marry them the exception is muhsanatu min kitab Right, the virtuous or chaste woman from the people of the book. So a woman from the people of the book, meaning a Christian woman and a Jewish woman, you can marry as an exception to the rule. So, as a Muslim man, you can only marry three types of women as it relates to their faith. She has to either be a believing woman, a mu'mina, a muslima, or a practicing Christian, or a practicing Jew. Anyone other than that? You're not allowed to marry. طيب. Now, then Allah gives us an example. It's important because sometimes uh, to, to give you guys an example or a similitude, it uh, brings the message home. يقول الله عز جل, خَيْرٌ وَلَوْ And indeed, a slave woman who believes and has faith is better than a free woman who is a mushrika. Now, why this example? Because when there was such a time where you had people that were free and people that were enslaved, then the person that was in slavery, they were owned by another person. right? This is why the the rule was you're not allowed to marry from them. You're not allowed to marry a woman who was enslaved. Why? Because... Uh, As long as she is the, as long as this person is owned by someone else, any children you have with them will also be owned by them. So you were told don't don't do that. And there's only specific scenarios where you're allowed, uh, where you were allowed in Islam. So even the Sahaba were encouraged to marry a woman that is free. And uh, if not, then have patience and wait until you can get married. And only very specific scenarios where you're allowed to do this at your own uh, peril because your children will be part of that, that, that issue and that problem. But even then, even then, let's say a man during the time of the Sahaba, during the time when there was such a thing as people, uh, as slavery, a, an enslaved believing woman is better for you than a free mushrik woman. Why? Because the faith in her has so much more value than anything that this this person has. Faith gives you value. Faith and iman gives you value. We look at faith before anything else. And that is a reframing of the way we look into the world. So, the first thing that you look at is iman. What gives you value... What gives you honor, what gives you worth, is the faith inside of you, the belief you have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The moment that is removed, you are nothing. It is not your riches and your money, it is not your status and your family, it is not your job that gives you value, it is your faith. It is your faith, which is why the greatest king and the richest man, they are no, not as, they don't have the same worth as even a homeless man poor person who's outside, but he believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Value, what gives you value is Iman. And this is what's being taught to the sahaba here and to us as well. And also a rule. do not. So also because you might be wondering, well, why can't I marry a, a, a woman that is a Hindu? Why can't I marry a woman that is a Buddhist? Why can't I marry an atheist woman? Why can't I marry this, that or the other? Because of the importance that we put faith in. You're not allowed to bring into your home. Create a home and children around a home where faith and iman is not a priority. Where there's mixed messages. So we need to preserve that. So Allah said, indeed, a slave woman is better for you uh, to marry than a free woman, even," even if she pleases you and your family. Right now, let's give an actual example because I keep we keep taking it back to the to the to the earlier times. Uh, but right now, what happens a lot of times is young men who are not practicing, young men who are not serious about their religion, will enter into relationships with people that are not Muslim, and then all of a sudden they want to they fall in love because the heart is the what what the heart wants what the heart wants, and all of a sudden they're like yeah Sheikh can I marry this woman? I I love her I want to be with her and you tell him, أخي, is she a Muslim? No. Okay. Then, what uh, is what is she? Oh, I don't know. She doesn't really believe in anything. What's the answer? Can you marry her? You can't marry her. But now, fitna, my heart, I love it. This mushkila, all of it, it because you never prioritized your deen to begin with. And now you're in this mess. You're now in this mess, and this happens all the time. Right? And... Uh, it, it just causes issue. So, we need to follow and be people that follow Allah and His Messenger. It is not allowed for you to marry a mushrika, a non-believing woman. Uh, you can't marry her. You only are allowed to marry a believing woman. And the exception was the, the, the Christians and the Jews. And even then, the exception comes with certain rules. So, when can you marry a Christian or a Jewish woman? You can only marry her if there's two conditions present. And even when those two conditions are present, it's still not encouraged. What are those two conditions? One, she must be from the people of the book. Not nominally. Not my great-grandfather, my father used to be a rabbi. Not my family used to be Christian, but I don't care. No, 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 no. She has to be someone that is from the people of the book that is serious about their Christianity and their Judaism. They have to be serious. Why? Why is that key? It's key because Allah said they are from the people of the book. Right? Not loosely affiliated to the people of the book. Right? But the other thing is, the, the Christians and the Jewish, the, the Jewish uh, people, when they are practicing their faith, they actually have a lot in common. We actually have a lot in common when it comes to like values. and what, We have a lot in common, so it helps with the household. Right? You, you will have, subhanallah, I actually am uh, aware of this this man. And again, I'm not, I'm not encouraging this, but this was his brother. He was married to this Christian woman. May Allah guide her, but she was a proper Christian, right? And Subhanallah, she used to wake up her children for fajr. She used to wake up her children for fajr. Now, this is of course, uh, I would say, a rarity, but uh, they have the same values of like values like modesty, values like what is a what considered as a marriage, etc., etc., etc. That's why, that's, so she has to be an actual uh, Christian, uh, or, or uh, pra- serious about the faith, serious about the faith. Secondly, she has to be a Afifa. What does an Afifa mean? Who can tell me? Yes? Is she someone, yes, a chastity. So this doesn't necessarily mean, some people think that this means that they have to be virgins. No, that's not necessarily the case. It means that currently, when the marriage proposal is being done, they are someone that is upholding uh, their chastity and are being someone that is a uh, that has modesty and is not sleeping around. Things like this. This is what I mean, it's, right? <tayyib> if those conditions are fulfilled, you can. You can potentially marry them, but it is not encouraged because it is still difficult to maintain a household like that. It is still difficult to maintain a house like that. It's very confusing for the children, right? My mother is not a believer. A lot of problems can arise from that. So it's not encouraged, but it is what? Allowed. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُوا and do not give your daughters, do not marry them off to non-believing mushrik men until they believe, accept the faith. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَا عَبْدٌ مُؤْمِنٌ And indeed a believing slave man is better من mushrikeen from a idol-worshipping mushrik man وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكُمْ Even if he pleases you. So, this is another message, someone has a daughter, someone he's in charge of, and he wants to marry her off, and there's this rich man, successful man, but he's a mushrik. Or, there's this man who is in servitude, who's a servant, who is, but he's a believer. Which one is better for her? The believing one. Because faith trumps all. Faith trumps all. There's nothing more important than iman. Why? Why is that the case? Because the idol worshippers, the mushriks, the people that are not upon Islam, they're calling towards hellfire. These other faiths, they don't lead to Jannah. Only one faith leads to Jannah, that's Islam. So why would you want to marry your child, or marry yourself, or marry the one you are in charge with to someone who is calling towards the fire? يَدْعُوا وَاللَّهُ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ And Allah is calling you to Jannah and to forgiveness with His permission. طيب. Okay. Interesting point, um, um, uh, thing to point out here. Allah said in the beginning of the ayah, do not marry non-believing mushrik woman. Who's being spoken to right now? Who's being spoken to? Hey, do not marry the woman that is not believing. Who's Allah speaking to? The? The men, the men, right? When Allah said, do not marry off your woman, folk, your daughters, and whoever you're in charge of, to non-believing men. Who's Allah speaking to? Men as well. What do you learn from there? That a man can marry, but a woman is married off. Very important. A man marries, but a woman is married off by her guardian. By her guardian, and this is something subhanallah, is entrenched in, like even different faiths. You know, when you see this whole concept in Christianity, where the dad is walking his daughter uh, on the aisle, this is this symbolizes a passing of the tor- torch of responsibility. Right, this is not even Islam, in Christianity, right? So he walks on the aisle and she's waiting, the father comes and he walks and then he gives her to the other, and then, right, the, the, the ceremony happens. This concept that the woman is always under the guardianship of Ayman. Her father and then from her father to her husband. It's a transfer of responsibility, right? This is called wilaya, guardianship, right? Which is why Allah, this is one of the evidences, one of the evidences that a woman does not marry herself off. It is her guardian that marries her off, her wali that marries her off. And there's even more explicit uh, evidences such as the Prophet wasallam statement, لا نكاح إلا wali." There is no nikah, there is no marriage except with a guardian, a wali, right? Any woman that marries without a wali, then her marriage is invalid, right? So all the evidence suggests that for a marriage to be valid, for a marriage to be correct, for a marriage to be Islamic, then the guardian has to give the woman who's marrying away. And that could be the father, the grandfather, it could be the brother, it could be, and there's a number, and there's a list, But it always starts with the father and then whoever else is present. Um, This is is known as the wilaya. Who here has heard of the fact that certain scholars in the past or the present allow a marriage to happen without a wali? If you've heard of that concept, raise your hand. Without a wali. A marriage without a wali. Have you heard of that? Not that you agree with it, but have you heard that exists? Some people, they conduct marriages without their wali. No? Allah Akbar. Someone in the back. A few people heard. Dayib. So, um, there's actually, uh, this happens quite a lot uh, in the Muslim world. Where a marriage has taken place uh, without the wali's permission. Right? Without the wali's permission. And the reason for that is because Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa and the Hanafi school do not consider the the uh, guardian, the wali, to be among the conditions of a valid marriage. So they say it is recommended but it's not a condition, a marriage can happen and it will be valid even without a, a wali. This is the madhab of who Imam? Abu Hanifa. And did he just pull it out of nowhere? No, he has some evidence for it as well. He has some evidence for it as well. But after analyzing all of the evidences, and even what they use as evidence, right? For example, in Surah Al-Baqarah, we'll come across an ayah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So, because right now, what did we say? We said, When Allah said, do not marry a mushrik woman, Allah was speaking to the men. And when He said, do not marry off a woman to a mushrik man, Allah was also speaking to the men. So anytime a marriage is happening, it has to be in the presence of the guardian. Does that make sense? Clear cut? But in in another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to the woman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Until she marries another man. Now who is Allah talking to? to the woman until she marries another man. So they said, sometimes Allah speaks to the woman and they bring evidences. But, I don't want to get into the uh, to the nitty gritty uh, khilaf. This is not a fiqh lesson. If you want a fiqh lesson, come here on, when is this is it? I think it's Wednesdays, yes. And inshallah ta'ala, I'm sure you'll see all the opinions. Uh, the great uh, scholar Ibn, Ibn Rushd, Ibn Rushd uh, was an Andalusian scholar. He has a, a book uh, where he talks about all the, all the Malhab's views. He actually brings a lot of evidences uh, as a case for the Hanafi opinion of the Hanafi position, and other scholars will, but the majority of the scholars, so the Shafi'i school, the Hanbalis, the Shafi'is and the Malikis, and many, many other scholars, they were uh, upon the view that a marriage must have a wali, or else it is invalid. Now that being said, and that is the correct opinion, uh, it is the majority opinion, it is the stronger opinion. That being said, we respect any uh, valid scholarly Position that exists, which is why the scholars they said. Sometimes the ulema are asked, Sheikh, I live in Turkey, or in the subcontinent, or this that, and where the predominant school is Hanafi, and marriages are being taken place, and those marriages are being taken place without a guardian, so a woman will get married and her father might not be involved, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are those marriages valid? What is the ruling of those marriages? Should they be broken apart? Are, are, are those houses not... Uh, what's the deal there? And all of the ulama say, as long as they, those marriages happened with following the Hanafi madhab and the, the scholarly views, then those marriages are valid. They are valid. The opinion is wrong, but the marriage is what? Valid. And if someone comes to me and says, uh, if someone comes to me and says, I want to get married and I am present there, for example, and they say, okay, uh, where is the welly? Is the first question we ask. No, 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 we won't do without a welly. I will say to them, I'm sorry, you can't do this. And I "I will say to them, you have to bring your your father involved or someone. I will also not tell them, you know what, go to the local messages over here, they'll do without a welly. I wouldn't do that. Does that make sense? So the view is still incorrect, but if someone's marriage, and they have five kids now, we're not going to say, listen, your marriage is never invalid, your children are not legal, we're not going to say that. Because it is based on a still a, a scholarly view that the whole madhab and countries and judges hold. Does that make sense? طيب. um al why did we go on this tangent? Because one of the evidences to suggest a male... Guardian is required to give away his daughter or a sister in hands in marriage. Is when Allah was speaking about marriage here, Allah addressed the men and said, Give not your daughters or whoever you are responsible for to mushrik men, do not marry them off. Even if those mushrik men please you and you are pleased with their, their dunya, their akhirah is more important. What is the moral of this ayah, message? That faith is the most important aspect that we look at when we are considering marriage. They are calling towards the nar, wallahu and indeed Allah, yid'u is calling, الجنة, inviting you to Jannah. Uh, and forgiveness, be by His leave, will and Allah makes His ayat proofs and evidences and lessons, li Allah clarifies them li uh, and makes them clear, la al so that they may remember and take heed and benefit. Now we enter into another ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, teaches us a, this, this, the next few tafsir lessons will be fiqh heavy, halal, haram and rules. Why? Because all of these ayats are related to, to ahkam. Before I move on, what is the ruling you learned today in the previous ayah? You learned that it is haram to marry who? A mushrik woman. Or a woman to marry a mushrik man. The exception for the men is that they can also marry who? From the Ahlul Kitab, who are the Jews and the Christians. And the two conditions are that they are from actually Christians and Jews, and also that they are Afif, and they are practicing and they are modest, right? Um, So what would be an exception to that? would So if someone says, I want to marry my girlfriend, who I've been living with for three years, and she is Christian, but they've been together, and they didn't mind being together and living together, and all that comes with, then this wouldn't be the type of person you would be allowed to marry as a Christian. Does that make sense? Unless she then atones and changes and all that. Um, Okay. uh, the other ruling that we learned is, of course, that is it's also heavily disliked, if not, not allowed to marry a slave person. A slave woman or man. You, you shouldn't marry. And there's only if, and certainly, Allah explains this further. But only in, uh, so only if you cannot, uh, if, only if you cannot marry a free woman, was the option available for you to, only if you cannot marry a free woman and you cannot afford it, was the option allowed for you to marry someone that was in servitude. And then was only liman anat if you are far, fearful of falling into zina. So if you're not fearful of falling into zina and you can marry a free woman, then it was not allowed for you to marry a slave woman. But this is again, these rules are for when those rules, when those rules are applied not now. Uh, طيب, yes. Yes. Of course, they are mushrikeen. There's no doubt about it. They are mushrikeen. What great... This ayah put them out, the other ayah put them back in. That's how it works. Does that make sense? So it's like this. If I say, if I say to you, every man in this room must leave this building. That means everyone here has to what? Leave this building. Except if you're wearing a hat. Then that means a few of them would stay, right? Now, if you said Ya Sheikh, but they're also men. I would say to you, yes they are, but we make, we made an exception. The exception is that if they are wearing hats. Do not marry the Mushrikat except if they are Jews and Christian. So they are still Mushrikat, but they are the exception to the to the rule. Does that make sense? They are the exception to the rule. We're not gonna say the Christian Jews are not Mushrik, they are. Yeah, no. they are, uh, the, shirk is, uh, the fact that they worship Isa is enough for them to be mushriks but they are the exception to the rule does that make sense? they are the exception to the rule does that answer your question? Do you, or do you have more? Do you, do, you, do you understand the point? it was very simple Ma'idah came, came last because it was Surah Al-Baqarah and Ma'ida. Ma'ida was revealed later we know that Ma'idah was from the last chapters that were revealed. So that answers the question, doesn't it? Right. So Ma'idah was among the very good questions because, uh, what's your name, Akhi? Muhammad asked, asked a very good question. When two ayahs are seemingly telling you different information, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, which one came first to see which rule was abrogated? Now with Ma'idah it's very simple. The rules of Ma'idah are stuff. One of the surahs. and Surat Al-Maidah is a surah that tells you that you're allowed to marry from the period of the book. Those were one of the later revealed surahs. So that that proves that that exception still stands. Does that make sense? Barakallahu um, feek. What we call here is a, a general. Every general rule has an has an exception. Every general rule has a, or not every general rule, but some general rules have exceptions, and this is this is one of them. Taib. Uh, This ayah is talking about haid. Haid is the menstrual cycle that the woman goes through. Uh, the fiqh of haid is very important. The, uh, the, uh, some of my sheikhs used to say that the men don't experience haid and the women don't learn about haid. So we have a problem. Every time we're studying it, it's, it's there's a, because, uh, we, the fiqh of Hayd is extremely important, especially for the sisters. They, there's a lot that they need to know. There's a lot that they need to know. There's a lot of rules around Hayd. And young women are getting their their cycles early. early. And um, there's things related to fasting, things related to praying, things related to reading the Qur'an, things related to doing tawaf, a lot of rules that they need to know. And this is why it's important that the fiqh of Haid is studied especially by our sisters and also by the brothers so that they can teach it to their wives and daughters and sisters. Now, the Sahaba asked about this, about the menstrual cycle. And They ask you concerning al the menstrual cycle. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "Say, قُلْ Say, هو أذى. It is a harmful thing. What's harmful? Harmful being intimate during this time is harmful. Being intimate during this time is harmful. And Islam is wasat. Islam, and I gave a few examples of the wasatiyya, the balanced middle path of Islam. Example that I always like to remind myself, all of you, is the example of Isa. The Yehud, they said Isa is not a prophet. He is not a man, or, and he's even a child born out of wedlock. Ta'ala Allah. At, uh, um, this is a, a great, great, uh, a, a great um, uh, statement to say about a great prophet, right? To, to, to accuse him of this, and to accuse Maryam of this. So they disregarded Isa completely. The Christians, they said, he is the son of God, he is God, and they went overboard. Ta'ala kabira Islam came and said, no, he is not a God or the son of God; rather, he is a prophet. فهو rasulun, فهو abdun la yubad. He is a servant of Allah he will not be worshipped. He is a messenger of Allah and he will not be uh, uh, disbelieved in. So Islam is middle. We didn't disregard Isa salam like the Yahud, we say he's a prophet of Allah. We didn't venerate him like the, the Nasara and said that he, we, we kept him at where, he, where his actual station is. Honor him as a prophet, but not treat him like a, like a divine being. Similarly, even with this issue, this issue, the hide issue, the Yahud... The tradition of the Yehud was or is, that if a woman is on her cycle, that she is almost quarantined. She doesn't eat with the family, she stays in her room. They have very strict rules regarding that. Na'am. Whereas the Nasara, they couldn't care less. Cycle, no cycle, it's all the same. Islam came in the middle. What does Allah say? It is a harmful thing to be intimate during this time, so you avoid that. But anything beyond that, perfectly fine. Be around the family, eat with the family, cook for the family. So this shows you what? The the middle path of Islam. But Allah said, فَاَتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْمَحِيدُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Therefore keep away from the woman during her menses. So what do you keep away from? You're not intimate with her during this time. Anything other than intimacy is allowed. Anything other than intimacy is allowed. Right. And the fuqaha, they differ over exactly where does the line end, right? And the, uh, the strongest or, the, or the, uh, the, the, is the opinion that you avoid between the navel and the knee. You avoid between the navel and the knee, anything else is fine. Um, so stay away from the, from the woman folk during this time. And do not go near them Until they are purified. So do not go near them until they are purified means until the menaces end. So when the menstrual cycle ends, then what? فَإِذَا تطهرن And when they bathe, الله, Then go in unto them as Allah has ordained or commanded. Meaning, uh, this is when you are allowed to be intimate. After, so there's two tahara that I mentioned here. Two times tahara is mentioned. حَتَّى يطهرن, Until they become pure, meaning until the cycle ends. idha تَطْهَرْنَا When they bathe, so the cycle ends and they bathe, then relations can continue as they were before. Right? As they were before. If that happens, tohuna min then uh, go in unto them as Allah has uh, commanded, uh, meaning have jima'ah with them and, 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 and uh, have relations with them. Inna Allah yuhibbu al-tawabeen wa Allah loves those who Allah SWT loves those who repent often, and Allah loves those who purify themselves by bathing and cleaning and staying pure and not uh, st- uh, uh, involving in anything that is najis or filth. So purification. There's a lot of ahkam in this ayah. One of the rulings that we learn from this ayah, like I mentioned earlier, is is the rulings uh, that uh, the sahaba were asking the Prophet ﷺ about issues pertaining to the religion. And even the female sahaba would come to the Prophet and would ask him very detailed questions. How do I purify myself? What should I do? And they were not shy about math uh, related to their religion. And they would say to the Prophet wasallam uh, that Allah does not shy away from the truth. Tell us this and this and this and this. And the Prophet would tell them. Um, you learn here that uh, we are we, everything uh, during the cycle is fine. Uh, so uh, we don't isolate them like the Yehud did. But we also know where the limits are. We're not allowed to be intimate with them during this period, and this period can last up to. Uh, this is another interesting point. How long can it last? Because they don't pray during this period. Who can tell me? If a woman's cycle, how long can it last before she starts praying? Let's say her cycle starts on the first of the month, second of the month, third of the month, fourth of the month. It continued, it continued, it continued. If it continues on, does she never pray? What's the rule? Let's say it continues and this doesn't stop. When does she stop praying? In other words, what is the most before she has to pray? Naam, uh, yes. After her regular period. So if the period is seven days usually, then she'll count those seven days. What if she doesn't have a regular one? What if this is her first time? Very good. What is the most that we can consider it height? What is the number of the most we can consider the hide? After that, which she has to stop praying. Close, 15 days, 15 days. So any woman, if your cycle starts and it continues and continues and continues, if you get to 15 days and it's still going on, you shower and you pray anyway. You shower and you pray anyway. This is this is to do with a regular cycle. What I'm not talking about is the the post-birth uh, one. So after birth, then that one lasts up to 60 days. So when a woman gives birth and she has a flow, up to 60 days, she doesn't pray. It. Can, uh, what does that mean? If the flow is ha- continued. So if it ends after 10, 10 days, she's hours and she prays. There's other rulings that, uh, if, I, if I, let me mention a few rules that maybe people are not aware of. Alright. Did you guys know that you cannot divorce a woman if she's on a cycle? not allowed. You're not allowed to divorce a woman when she's on her cycle. It's, it, it's haram for you to issue a divorce while she's on her cycle. It is haram for you. The scholars agree that it's not allowed. They differ over whether it counts or not. They differ over whether it counts or not. And majority of the scholars say it counts. Some say it doesn't. I don't want to get into the khilaf issues. But what I mean is, you already see a lot of issues. Can she read Quran or not? Can uh, what does she do if she's on umrah and the cycle happens why I mention these things because although this is a tafsir class and it's not the place to expand all these rules but keep in mind your mothers your sisters your daughters they have a lot to learn on this issue because it has something to do with their Quran reading their prayer their fasting their hajj their umrah so it's something very important that the brothers and sisters learn about. I'll conclude here, inshallah ta'ala. Hatta la utila so that I don't take the lesson too long. We'll view this ayah over next week and we'll continue from there, inshallah ta'ala. Barakallahu fi wa rabbil This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.